Episode 153 of the PJ Archive is an interview I did with the highly successful former British tennis player Virginia Wade. Virginia turned professional in 1968 and won three major championships in singles, the US Open in 1968, the Australian Open in 1972 and Wimbledon in 1977 when she was handed the trophy by Queen Elizabeth II who was then celebrating her Silver Jubilee. Virginia's highest world ranking at singles was number two and she was number one in doubles at which she won four majors. She retired in 1986 and became a coach and commentator. My interview with her took place in 1989 in London. Virginia began by talking about her background. I was born here uh, in Bournemouth. We went to South Africa when I was less than a year old. Why? Really just because it was very much a trend then for people to, just after the war, to... I think a lot of people left England in 1946 and went to Canada, Australia, South Africa. And my mother had actually been born in South Africa, although she lived half her life uh, over here. And so they gave it a shot. And uh, your parents my father was in the church, and so he was Archdeacon of Durban for nine years. We were at Cape Town in Durban. And my mother had been a teacher, but then she didn't do anything while she was married. Your parents still with us, are they? No. In fact, they both. My mother died in February and my father died a year ago, so it's not been a good year. That's awful. You've got brothers and sisters? Two brothers and one sister. Right. And uh, so, you know, I suppose he finally decided, which is what happens if you English and living in South Africa, is that you you probably can't change anything, so you think your time's up, so we, they came back in 61, and so I was 15. And you started playing tennis by then? Yeah, I started playing tennis when I was nine. And I mean, right. you see, I might never have played tennis if I'd been brought up in this country. What started you off playing tennis? Well, the others played in the family, and we actually right. lived next to a tennis club. Right. And I just was very energetic anyway, and liked all those ball mm. games, and mm. tennis just... I said all my prayers, really. I just love tennis. Yeah, you still love it. And I still love it. From the first time I used to play, I used to just love it. I mean, I spend hours playing against the wall or begging people to play with me. I just wanted to play all the time. Who are your tennis heroes? Lever. Yeah. Emerson. On the women's front. Buena. Margaret Court. I mean, all the good players. Does, yeah, it, does it seem strange to be somebody else's hero now? Just, you know, you just I accept mean, that that's part of the deal. Yeah, yeah, it just becomes the way it is. You know, I think one has to be aware of, you know, I did silly not to be aware of your position in the other people's eyes, and it's fine. With a lot of tennis players today, because they have to start so early, they miss out on a great deal. Yeah. But you actually, you were quite a late starter. Yeah, you? I know. I mean, I'm, I had a very you weren't so deprived of a normal existence. No, I absolutely wasn't. I mean, I was young when I was supposed to be young. But what would you have done if you hadn't become a tennis player? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I finished university and got a degree in maths, and I don't know what I would have done with that. I mean... At Sussex University? Yeah. yeah. I suppose I might have taught, but I would... I mean, when you think about what I'm doing now, the difference between teaching, I mean... <laughs> I mean, I think I would have been quite good at business. 
so I'd probably have gone into some sort of business. I'd probably be married with a few kids if I hadn't played tennis all the time. <laughs> right. Do you do you resent the fact that you haven't got married and had kids? And things? No, I don't. I don't think you can have absolutely everything. And I think I've had a pretty fair break at having nearly everything. Yes. And you know, if I hadn't been the youngest of a fairly well of four, and they all were, hadn't had husbands, wives, and children. You know, you might feel that you had to, but there's so many of the next lot that I just never yeah. feel that I... It somehow didn't seem important. What were your brothers and sister mm -hmm. called? My eldest brother was Anthony. He oh. died uh, ten years ago. He was, a, he was brilliant. I mean, he was a Rhodes Scholar. And, uh, and he was very talented at squash and tennis. He was an architect, actually. Oh. And uh, then my next brother is Christopher. And he yeah. lives in Sweden. He's eight years older than I am, yeah. and um, he was a good athlete too. I mean, he particularly did well in the longer distances, and he won the Swedish marathon a couple of times. And did he? Yeah, so he was very... Yeah. So the, the two boys were very athletic. Yeah. And your sister? My sister is a teacher, married with three children. In England? Yeah. And she lives now down in the house where my parents live, in Kent, Kent. and where I have a part of it. So oh. Are you quite a close family still? Very close. Yeah. yeah. I mean, interestingly enough, we seem to... I mean, we always were close, but with my, both my parents passing away, we've it's actually sort of yeah. stayed close. Mm. I thought I thought I might lose a little bit of interest, because I was very attached to particularly my mother, but it seems that we're just resuming as a family. They've always been very relaxed about me. I mean, I'm no big shot as far as they're mm. concerned, but I come and go and they're always pleased to see me and they don't mind what I do. Were your folks uh, all there for that big moment? The women, yeah, they were, they were, they were all, all there, there in the yeah. box. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> what about um, touching moments? Any particularly touching? One of the ones that I always remember from Wimbledon was I'd always had a fan who was blind and mm. I just remember this incredibly touching moment at the end of the match when you know I was given this huge hug by this girl and mother always came with her and then she you know she stayed in touch because she she got married and had a child and Lovely. so I've shown pictures. So she was at the match? Yeah. When, when did you, at what stage of the match? I mean, straight well, after you literally, got the trophy? I mean, I was still in my tennis class. I remember I was still in my on the pink court. sweater. No, it was somewhere after, once I suppose I had pictures taken. Yeah. It was that sort of stage very soon after. You know, that was that was a real tearjerker. Uh, it seems a bit of a haze to you still at those moments. I mean, or do you have to watch the television to remind yourself what was happening? Because uh, you had that lovely mm, chorus of Caesar's Oh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I remember it all very yeah. clearly because, I've, you know, everybody talks about it all yes. the time. It's incredible that so many people remember it so clearly, yeah. you know, as so if it was yesterday and in America as well. I mean, yes. it made a big impact yeah. in America. And I suppose, again, because it was, there was one that it was the English, it was such a story. It's so, that psychological thing about winning Wimbledon, yeah. isn't it? Which you have, you finally overcame. Mm. I mean, I always felt that I didn't, I didn't play above myself at Wimbledon, and you really have to play at your best. Or I didn't even play at my best, should I say? Yeah. I didn't rise to the occasion. I <laughs> fell to the occasion. Until seventy-seven, yeah. And I think that uh, you know, there's no reason why you shouldn't rise to the occasion. Mm. But obviously, that's all in the mind. How much of your life these days is? Tennis, and how, I mean, what percentage 
is it these days and what percentage was it when you were a player? Well, for a few years, uh, I think I really committed myself and uh, that was when I did better because I think I'd always mm. been sort of afraid to commit myself and, you know, uh, hang on from the sort of real amateur stuff as well where, you know, tennis wasn't absolutely everything mm. in your life. Then you suddenly realise, golly, you know, I'm spending so much time and I get so upset when I do badly that I might spend a little bit, make a little bit more effort, which was really not effort on the court, but it was effort off the court. You know, mental exercise and thinking about it and concentration. And um, so for a few years I was, I mean, absolutely, totally dedicated. And it was very exciting. Though. What were those, that was sort of leading up to 77? Yeah, it was yeah. around, uh, I would say, 70, probably 73 to 78, probably Eight, five yeah. years, and it was much more satisfying when I was committed. I mean, it really was. Right. Let's say the best three years were probably 75, 6, 7, and 8, yeah. Was that all tennis then? And then how much of it is it, is it now? I mean, how much do you put yourself into tennis these days? It's hard to say how much exactly was tennis because it was definitely the most important thing in my life. But I mean, obviously, one had a uh, we ha one had more off uh, periods in the year then than they do now. And also, I never considered that it was everything. I mean, it was the most important thing. But I always considered that I had to that other things were very important to me and the rest of my life and doing other things that ordinary people did real life was uh, there too so I didn't feel that I was completely cut off from the rest of the world now I actually feel that an awful lot that I do is I mean practically everything I do is tennis related right but I mean there's no pressure at all I mean I'm incredibly busy and it's amazing how much in demand you are do you find you actually have less time now perhaps to do the other things in real life as it were I think one does but I think it's also a factor of age too really? <laughs> I, think when you, I think when you're younger you just want to you do know you're so inquisitive that yeah. you want to do everything and you want mm. to do the jet set life and you want to do all the traveling and exploring and that sort of thing and then I think when you've done that and you find that it doesn't certain things you've done and you don't need to carry on doing them you um, I don't know I think I think it's also a factor of what's around, opportunity, and I think mm -hmm. that one always thinks that being a tennis player, things are going to run out pretty soon because mm -hmm. uh, either your attractability factor is also down as you mm -hmm. get away from it. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Once you've won Wimbledon, I mean, nobody takes that away from you and you right. always have something to yes. back you up. In a way, it's quite nice that you won it once because, like, for you, it's so special. That Would you agree with that? Well, I You'd like to have won it more than once, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. I would have liked to have won it many more times, but I certainly was incredibly grateful that I won it yeah. once because it sort of made my whole tennis career, gave it all a reason. And if I hadn't I won it, I think I would have always felt that I should have won it. Yeah. And also that winning it the one time in those circumstances was incredible. Mm. I mean, it made sense of all the times that I hadn't won. Yes. Cause it, no other year could have been as nearly as important as that year mm. with the Queen there. And, I mean, no other year could have been. I mean, I thought in '75 I was playing well enough to, to win, and I played an amazing match against Yvonne Goulagon in, I suppose it must actually have been the quarterfinal, which I lost about 9-7 yeah. in the third. Right. And she just, I mean, I played played the best I could play, out, yeah. and she just came up with a few more great shots yeah. at the right moment, and 
you know, two years later, I thought, well, it's just as well I didn't win it that year. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's worth waiting for. Yeah. Do you, how many times have you seen your victory on television or whatever? How many oh, times do you reckon? Oh, I saw it? it a lot of times, especially when I was writing the book that I wrote. And then once in a while, I mean, I think last year, I went up uh, into the museum at Wimbledon and I was taking somebody who was a visitor and they were playing my really? final, so I sat down. <laughs> Does it still bring back all the old emotions when you see it? Yes, yeah, it, it gets slightly more amusing. As yes. you <laughs> Why? Why is it good? Well, I, I suppose because it gets dated anyway yes. and you're playing with, you know, with a wooden racket. And, uh, and you had very long hair then, And my you? hair was sort of long. Yes. And, and you know, I was in this nice dress, which we don't get to wear. Now we're all, everybody right. looks exactly the same, shirts and skirts. So... Do you look back and cringe, though, or do you look back with great... Oh, no, with t total amusement, really? actually. <laughs> I don't cringe at all about it. So there's certain ages in, in my life that I think I look back at. You know how you look back at pictures? Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> but I didn't mind at all, because I felt good about myself then. Uh, I mean, that was obviously an all-time high, I presume, for you. What about an all-time low? What was the worst moment? Uh, I would say there were plenty that qualified for that. <laughs> but I can't tell you exactly what. I mean, you have an awful lot of heartbreaks along the way. I mean, we're talking about tennis. Yeah. You, you just, it's just filled with heartbreaks because matches that you lose that you really want to win and uh, things that you've worked really hard for. And, uh, so there are plenty of those, and, yeah. and there are plenty of highs, and plenty of boring stuff in the middle, just yeah. hard work, daily grind. Do you look forward to Wimbledon still, or does it, is it not so special now that you're not playing anymore? No, I think, it's, I think Wimbledon is incredibly special. Mm. But do you get excited about it every year? Because um, I do. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. I do get excited. I think the only thing that worries me about tennis today is that I don't enjoy watching as many matches as I used to. And I spend a lot of time trying to answer why. And uh, I don't know whether it's just because I've seen so many tennis matches and uh, I've lost a little bit of track of the, you know, the personalities, which is true to a certain extent because there's so many new people coming in and we never stay around for long enough. But I think really it's because the game has become a little bit one-dimensional. And uh, You see, I get very excited about the, the end and the, you know, watching the real the really great players out there, right. you know, the Steffies and Martinez and Beckers and people, because I think they're exceptional and you have to watch them, but an awful lot of the players, they, there's so many more players out there today who are good, but they're still not really that uh, stimulating. Mm. But the rallies don't last, I mean, it's just a power game now, isn't it? It's totally a power game, it's become yeah. a one-dimensional game where they just try to hit the cover of the ball. Yeah. Do you sort of hesitate to say that sort of thing because people think, oh, she's had her day, she's yeah, just moaning about the current game? Well, I mean, I'm worried that that's yeah. the reason that I say it. You know, that I just yes. am not quite identifying yeah. with it. I'm, I'm absolutely not sure whether I'm in a position to judge. And yet, I ask a lot of other people the same question and they mm. sort of think the same. But if I ask my, my nephews or whatever, I mean, and they're exposed only to the, the modern game, I mean, mm. they, they love it, you know, mm. so they don't know what it was before. But I mean, the old coaches used to say to us yes. that oh, our yeah. game wasn't as exciting yes. as theirs was. Yes, and behaviour as well is another thing which uh, the old coaches used to say to your generation, and then, and, and now I suppose, do, do you feel that behaviour has improved? I think it finally has. Yeah. I, think it's, uh, I think it's pulled around in the majority of cases. But, you know, there are rather a lot of arrogant young people out there who 
you know, who aren't all that good relative. But you're you're topic. on the Wimbledon committee, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, and there's, we're, I mean, we're very pro the players. I mean, Buster yeah. Haddingham is fabulous. Yeah. He's so much a players man. I mean, which is great. And I, you know, the m most important thing I I constantly remind myself is the reason I'm on these committees and in positions, you know, with and I do some ITF stuff and all, yeah. is because I'm a player. Mm. And it's always, I've always uh, really resented the people who, as soon as they become an official, become an official. Because that, I mean, who needs another official? Yeah. <laughs> this year at Wimbledon, you'll be commentating and on the committee as well, yeah. the usual sort yeah. of thing now, it's become yeah. a tradition. Be. Um, anything else you're involved with at Wimbledon? I have some, you know, they always have all the meetings throughout yeah. yes. the, the big tournament. So, as I said, I'm doing some stuff for the International Federation. I'm yeah. an alternate, so I'm not actually the, the yeah. key pin there. But So we have a few meetings, which is going to be quite difficult to... There's always know. talk of you playing mixed doubles every year. Are you yeah, going to be playing? Yeah. Last year we suddenly said, hey, maybe we should play mixed again. Yeah. And then it was so tough to get in, we didn't get in. Who was the partner going to be? John Fever. Right. But I mean, with, with all those things going on at Wimbledon, do you still <coughs> manage to enjoy it though? I mean, are you not wishing you could just sit quietly by a court and, and just... Sometimes I wish I could just sit and mm. put my feet up and watch it on television. Mm. But I'm sure that if I was not involved, I'm sure mm. that I probably would be watching 80% of it on television. Yes. <laughs> or maybe not as much as that. But when you're commentating, I mean, commentators are famous for their gaffes and their mistakes. Have you ever made any drastic mistake and then thought, oops? I don't think that I've made anything that I'm really embarrassed about. No, no, I haven't. Uh, no, I haven't, because I'm, I'm sort of cautious by nature when it comes to that, because... Uh, but tennis commentary doesn't give you much time to be cautious, does it? I mean, you have to say things there and then, don't you? You can't exactly... It's not recorded or anything. I know that um, sometimes the players give you a little stick. I, I know that I've been commentating on... Martina playing Helena Sokova down in uh, Eastbourne, and, and Martina was five, I think she was five love up, and yeah. lost the set. And I yeah. said, and, and I, I remember exactly what I said because you have to, you, yeah. you know, the game's never over until it's over. And I, I said that what Helena should be thinking as she had virtually lost the first set was yeah. starting preparing herself for the second set. And then, of course, you know, Helena turns it around, so the next day she says, oh. But Jenny, you said that I lost the first I said, I said, do you know what the word virtually yeah, means? Yeah. She said, no. <laughs> but you see, you know, yeah, being Czech, yeah, she didn't yeah, understand the, sure. the subtleties of that. But they, you know, they keep you on your toes. Uh, what other funny things happen in the commentary box that we don't necessarily know about? Well, the, the things that happen here, which is different from at the States, is that you hear all the instructions to the yeah. cameraman. So right. you are hearing through your headphones. Camera one, camera three, yeah. camera four, yeah. that. And if somebody gets it slightly wrong, I mean, you just get this spate of abuse. I mean, it's very interesting yeah. because they so the BBC is so perfectionate, and and they also the good thing about them is if you start start to talk about X playing against Y, they will then they will be paying attention and yeah. they'll throw up X on the screen. Right. Yeah. Whereas that tends not to happen in the States. Right. You can be talking about X and they'll throw up a graphic or they'll throw yeah. up a picture of Y and you're left yeah. talking about the wrong person yeah. Yeah. saying she and they don't know who you're talking about. So it's actually fairly amusing when you get all, all the problems at the yeah. back and the absolute <laughs> havoc. It's quite hard yeah. to talk yeah. sense of that. The, the things that in the States are different, especially when we used to do the US Open, 
because they'd have closed circuit television which went on through the commercials so everybody else would just get commercial break and mm. have commercials on and anybody who had a closed television and this would be blaring out so if you spoke during that time all you said well, this is a really terrible match and these people can't play and why they, you know and all sorts of stuff you would say that would all come out and you know you'd have these incidences where people would be telling slightly raunchy jokes and you suddenly realize you can't ever say anything <laughs> How much do you uh, miss not playing there when you're actually watching or commentating? Not at all. Do you not think, oh God, I wish I'd played that bloody shot, I knew where to put it? Not at all. The only time I have ever regretted not playing is if I've been working with somebody and I really think that they are making a mess out of it. You mean coaching somebody? Yeah. yeah. And I think the only reason I like to play is because I'd like to show, you know, show what I mean. But you know, I know I had a bit of criticism for going on as long as I did, but I, I always knew what I wanted to do. I mean, I think, yeah. and I think the same thing in a way with Chrissy. If, if she could have said, look, yeah. I don't intend to play to win anymore. I intend to play just a few more tournaments and the big ones and with lower expectations yeah. and enjoy myself, then I think everybody sympathizes. You see, the thing yeah. that they don't sympathize with is if you're getting a little bit older and it, it looks as if it hurts you because yeah. you're not winning yeah. so it's all a matter of attitude and a lot of outsiders will always say oh people should go out while they're at the top but you know they're not thinking about you i mean what are you going to do just quit like that yeah. cold turkey who are you coaching at the moment you do pascal Paradis for a while yeah i am and i'm not i'm yeah. not doing anybody because you were going to sort of work for martina for a while and that yeah. lasted about three weeks two <laughs> two weeks how did that come about and uh, well happened? i had done so much that that year, the year before, when was it, two years ago, 87, the beginning of 87, and I had decided that I, was, I really needed to cut down a little bit, so I decided I wasn't going to Australia. So she finds me up on New Year's Eve or something, she says, Virginia, you're going to Australia? So I said, no. So she says, do you want to go? So I said, why? And so she said, because I wanted you to help me. And so I said, well, oh. Uh, my first reaction was, you know, this is crazy because we're sort of beating to nothing. I mean, she's number one in the world and you can't get any better than that and yeah. I can't believe that she's broken up with Mike after such a successful right. relationship yeah, and all the rest of it. But on the other hand I, I realized that that had sort of come to a natural end. I mean it had just sort of gradually fizzled out. Yeah. yeah exactly. And that also as she was getting a, a little bit older that probably there was there were areas that she could uh, improve in which were not a technical area and so I thought about it and said, well, you know, it's pretty hard to say no to that because it's a real challenge. Mm. So I said, well, yeah, I can, but I've got limited time. And so, you know, I went for the second week of Australia. What I discovered was that she had, you know, a troop of other people working for her. Mm -hmm. Somebody working on this, somebody practicing with her. Uh, I mean, way too many people. So yeah. she didn't know who she was listening to. And um, I really didn't even work with her. I mean, it was very, very short-lived. Mm. And I guess she didn't win that uh, final in Australia. She just served was a disaster, and um, Mandlikova sort of played out of her mind. And uh, so I guess because we got off to a bad start, that was the end in her mind. As Mike Estep said before, he said, every time she won, it was thanks to me, and every time I, mm. she lost, it was thanks to me too. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Did he finally say, I No, she just... I mean, she said that she thought that she had to do it through a more physical way than I, because I thought she needed to work more on the, the mental side. And I think two and a bit years down the, 
Well, I don't think she's still wrong. Do you think she can come back now, though, or is it too late? I mean, I think she's doing the only thing that's uh, giving her a chance to win Wimbledon, which is to not play the clay, because she wasn't getting anywhere on clay this so year. So she's not playing the French either? So she's playing Birmingham, Eastbourne right. and Wimbledon. But I think those two tournaments prior to Wimbledon are not going to have uh, Steffi and uh, maybe one of them will have Sokova, but I don't think they're going to be quite as intense. And I think the moment she hits somebody really good, she's, yeah. she's going to be out of match practice. I don't think she's played enough, frankly. So um, it wasn't an exercise that was really very fruitful as far as I was concerned. Um, what are you doing? Well, let's discuss what you're doing. Well, I mean, I do quite a lot with the Wimbledon committee, you know, and then the television both here and over in the States, yeah. and then uh, enough, a handful of tournaments, enough to yeah. keep my brain. And then these, um, I do a lot of stuff here, like going to open, uh, schools and speech days. And Just being a celebrity. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully being able to contribute something. And clinics and stuff, and corporate stuff also and stuff. In the winter, I'm, I'm touring prior to a resort in Florida called South Seas Plantation on Captiva Island, which I've been associated with for 10 yes. years. I mean, it's lovely. And I do quite a bit of corporate stuff, you know, where we go and yeah. play tennis with the VIPs, which is super. It's something that I didn't think I'd really enjoy because you'd think it was, would just be being polite to That's people. That's right, yeah, nice little but, shots. Yeah, but you yeah. actually, I actually get a real challenge out of it and I'm, I'm good at it. I mean, I get on well with the people and... Uh, Who are the good celebrities? Who are the good celebrity well, players not, you've been it, impressed? It's not really celebrities we work We were working with corporate VIPs, right. so it's their best staff or dealers or salespeople, whatever they are, but they're all very high-powered people. But when you have played in pro celebrities or pro... Yeah, a lot of good celebrities around. Who, who do you rate that actually could have made it, perhaps? I don't think who the really good ones are. I know that, uh, I mean, all the people like Johnny Carson and Bill Cosby and all these people play. You've played with all them? Yeah. yeah. I haven't played with President Bush, but he's no. keen on... I played in this great match last week in Washington. <laughs> it was very funny because they have... It's sponsored by Dow, and they call it the Dow Invitational Senior yes. Men's Tournament. And uh, so they have all the men over 45 there. So uh, they wanted Ivan and me just to go as sort of extras because right. they play all these pro-amps with all of them. Dow brings in a huge group of their big clients. And they also had this parliamentary versus Congress match. So they sent out a team of eight parliamentarians plus two guests mm. and they played the same from Congress. So after the first round they had to, so they had to play five matches, somebody had really hurt their wrist. So they either were faced with a substitute or, yeah. or no match yeah. or, or no you know, four walkers. Yeah. So they all decided to substitute me. John Fever was there, they chose they thought he was too good. Yeah. <laughs> so of course I won all my matches. Yeah. So immediately really? the whole thing is getting more competitive and the others, the Americans, are choking and we, yeah. we finally win 13-12 with too great embarrassment. <laughs> they were telling me to chuck my last match and my, my partner wouldn't and I said, it can't possibly, it's not fair on the others. <laughs> so I was an intruder. Well, do you think you'd be doing all this and having such a great time if you hadn't won Wimbledon? I mean, I might have done quite a fair amount of it, but winning Wimbledon is definitely the, the entree into it. No question. I suppose that that's the answer. Although, 
you know, there is a lot of availability, and if you cut it, you get yeah. invited back. And I mean, that's the whole. Thing. That's the nicest thing of all is mm. is working with the same groups year after year because you begin to know them and you get mm. on well with them. So that is so that depends how good a job you do. But the entree is is one that we have. Just to go back to something we were talking about earlier about the way that tennis isn't quite as interesting to watch anymore, I mean, I would definitely agree with you there. Where do you see it going to? Is it going to get to some great thing or is it just going to explode in this sort of... Well, I think it's sort of exploded already. I yeah. think that what's happened is, uh, especially in America, because there haven't been any American players, and uh, I think the sort of bottom, bottom fell out of the yeah. tennis world. And hopefully you have a mini explosion rather than a major explosion. But it was in Italy the other day, and this journalist said, you know, they're going for more and more sensation. Do you think tennis is going to continue, that they just are looking for one more phenomenon after another? And I thought, well, that's interesting, because it's been obvious that that's what's happening. Yeah. I mean, you have to be younger, you have to be better, you have to hit the ball harder, you, you've got, but really it's the age thing. And I thought, well, you know, they've really cooked their own goose by doing this, and yet I think, in a way, this the, the trend doesn't have a future because tennis is a game that really is for more mature people. I mean, it's not it's no fun to just go out and watch 15-year-olds bashing the ball because they ha it's you know it's like watching a ballet or something. You have to develop that presence that which yeah. is a, in the intelligence part of it. So I think that the game is so good itself, and the contest is so good. It's got such potential mm. uh, as a game that I think that what happens is instead of it's not a total explosion. That what happens is it goes along, and then it has a little sort of mini drop, mm. and then maybe it stabilizes. And I think it probably you have to have the valleys in order to have the the, the build up again, the mm. crescendo. A lot of people say that women's tennis is either butch or very boring. Mm. What do you say to that? I think there is an element of truth in both of those statements, but I don't think it's really so, because I think one of the dangers is that if one just watches small amounts of women's tennis, that you can be unlucky. But if you watch, you know, a good deal more, you actually come across a lot of fantastic matches. Yeah. I mean, I watched this great match with Chris against this young girl, Sellers. We did the telecast for that in Houston the other day. It was a sensational match. Yeah. Sellers beat her. Probably finished Chris's career for good. I think. But I mean, you could call that neither butch nor boring. Yeah. I mean, you see, I think it was inevitable that that would happen when tennis opened up on the women's side. Was that you would get the sort of thugs going in and playing yeah. because they'd been the people who'd been in other. They would be the forerunners of the, the sort of the people who were into sport, and then then it gradually expands. So, I, in fact, the, the youngsters now are not much at all. I mean, they've sort of gone through that stage. But in this country, it still seems to be only for the rich people who can actually start it. I mean, it's still a very expensive game to get going because there isn't enough sort of free coaching and things like that. Yeah, no, I, d I still don't think they've got it right. Although they are getting better as yeah. far as uh, where the money goes, I would like to see the money go. I think the money would go much further if you put it into subsidising the coaches. But but you still have to have good personalities and you still can't totally pay them because if you totally pay them, then they're not going to bother to go out and get their lessons. So you have to do it in a way that makes it attractive for both so that 
you have to motivate the coaches to do a good job so that you motivate the youngsters to want more coaching and get better so the whole thing is on and up. But the coaches themselves say it's just bad luck that we haven't had someone like Boris Becker come up through the ranks to give us a champion. There's no way that if Boris Becker could come out of the system. At the moment, you'd have to totally be reliant on raw talent to just right. accept it. The only way we can produce a champion at the moment is to just happen to fluke out on somebody who was immensely talented right. and just came out of nowhere. Well, probably our best sports, best talent is not going into tennis. Can you see anyone who's come through the last few years who could have been a Wimbledon champion, but simply the, the, the system in this country? No. No. No, I don't think. I still don't think we've cast the net wide enough uh, to. Um, but it, I think that uh, short tennis has helped because yeah, I see. It's great fun. Yeah. See I've seen you play then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I see a lot yeah. more good um, getting into it. You know, you can improve people yeah. if you start early so much. So I think that's 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 helping. Tapping more the boys, interestingly enough, yes. than with the girls. I think one of the problems is that you know, also the. A lot of the local councils don't encourage sport, especially individual sport. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that's sort of been one of our social revolution things in this country, that you're not allowed to be really competitive. Well, there's so many tennis courts you just see around the yeah, place, no. totally empty, and you think, damn it, yeah. I, I'll get out there as quick as I can, but uh, loads of people just don't bother. No, and they're not, they're not attractive enough in general no. public courts to... What other sports do you play? Are you? Uh... Um, I'm starting to play golf, but I really don't. Uh, haven't hit enough balls here. And I've skied quite a bit. You know, you sort of give up skiing while you're playing tennis. Do you regret at all not having had any children? Um, no. only once in a while. Mm. I mean, do you like children? I love children. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I would have liked to have had children for mm. sure, for sure. But you know, as a, I just don't think that. You know, I, I consider myself one of the most fortunate people around, and so I don't think that I, I'm entitled to, you know, feel regrets. And I really feel that way. I mean, I, I really think I've been given, given certain talents, and and I don't mean just, uh, I don't mean just playing tennis. I mean much more in a, in a way that I can give something to other people, which is really what I do more of now, and therefore I. I think that's fine. I mean, I yeah. think that uh, these things choose themselves for for you in a way. It's not that you ever make specific choices, really. Uh, what about um, things in your spare time? What, what do you when you do have some spare time? I appreciate you're an extremely busy lady, but what sort of hobbies would, do you like? I would say that um, I mean, out of the entertainment things, I really like music, but particularly opera and classical music. Actually, they all all of the musicians are keen tennis people as well. Yeah. I mean, I, it's amazing how many of them I know because they come to tennis and yeah. you go there and so you, you meet. And, you know, in theatre, so I like all that stuff. Yeah. And then as far as other things, I, I mean, I, I like to do things in the house and garden. I mean, down there at Canton, there's just a myriad of things to be done. Yeah. So yeah. very much uh, practical. And, I'd rather do decorating myself if I, if I could. I mean, you've met loads of distinguished people. Is there anyone you haven't met that you'd like to meet? Have you got any heroes? Uh, I mean, sure. I mean, it's interesting who I've met of the, the music people, because I always used to be... You did one with Kiri. I mm. used to. She was absolutely terrific. It was so funny. 
met her and we Very kept good. quite good. You know, I mean, yeah. I know her reasonably well, so yeah. six And then I've um, sat next to Placido Domingo last year at the final day of Wimbledon and uh, at the lunch, and he's a big hero of mine. And then I've actually yeah. caught up with him and heard him in, in the Met in New York and things like that. Yeah, lovely. So some, most of the, a lot of the musicians so I actually know them. It's like Perlman and people like that. Uh, it'd be exciting to meet President Bush next week. Yes. That, that's indeed. very, yeah. that's terribly exciting. Is that the exciting. first president you'll have met? I met President Ford. I have lovely. a picture with, with him at the White House. Oh. Didn't meet Reagan, but I... What about cinema? Do you have any favourite films at all? Oh, yeah, I mean, cinema I follow reasonably closely, but I really just don't get enough time yeah. to go and see cinema. But, um, no. Do you think they'll make a film of you one day, winning your <laughs> Wimbledon and everything else? I don't know. People make films of anything, and it made quite a good story, but I certainly uh, would not imagine that, that anybody would bother to make a film about me. But it was a good story. I mean, they, they yeah. concealed all their deaths. But who would you like to play? Meryl Streep or something? Meryl Streep's the un unbelievable. She's absolutely great. But sometimes with the film stars, I don't know whether I even want to meet them because they lose a little bit of their mm. mystique when you meet them. Out of all the celebrities that you meet, you, yeah. you begin to, some of them you like more than others. Right. So I don't think that I'm in a position where I really idolize people to that yeah. extent because it's very interesting, you know, with the tennis players or, or even including yeah. me in this little group of, of I mean, a real sure. sort of groupies. Everybody has their own little mm. group who like them, and I, I suppose they, they would be very uh, ready for disappointment. Mm. It's funny because there's never really been a good film about Wimbledon. There's only that dreadful one player. Oh, yeah, terrible, terrible, wasn't it? And, and they are not very good when they. No. As soon as they. There was a very good little documentary on Maureen Connolly the one time. Oh, yes, I saw that. That was good, but the tennis, as soon as it got into tennis, it was really. Yeah, you see them making bad. a shot, but then it wasn't the shot they played at all. And they got. They scored, they'd said silly things like in the umpire's chair, like things you'd never say. Match That's right. point. That's right, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, tennis players have a rather unrealistic life, don't you? Yeah, think? I, do, I, I do think so. And um, I think it's quite difficult. And I think, again, you know, going back to the question of marriage and all, I think it's very difficult for a successful female to have, make a successful marriage. You, you were one of the rare ones in that you always had your feet on the ground, always had other things going yeah. on at the same time, didn't you? I really you did. And I really, you know, I think a lot of that was because, I, you know, I think the rest of my family had all been fairly successful. Uh, yeah. I mean, my oldest brother was really a bit of a star as an yeah. academic, so we were sort of expected to do reasonably well. And I mean, anyway, I was just always brought down to earth at mm. home. So I think, you, you see, most of the danger today comes from the fact that the kids are all literally spoiled and it's got nothing to do with money. Yeah. One tends to think that rich kids are spoiled, but it's not. It's uh -huh. wherever they, they, it's a matter of saying, well, if I don't feel like doing something, oh, well, all right, darling, you don't have to do it. Uh -huh. It's nothing to do with the, I want this, and uh, I mean, even if it's, it's from a chocolate bar to a, an expensive item, I mean, it's whether or not it's just given into. And I think the, the problem yeah. is parents do not know what to do with talented children. If yeah. it's academic or, or, or um, sporting or chess or whatever. Yeah. If you'd had children, though, would you have encouraged them into sport? Or? I would have certainly exposed them to sport. 
But then you see, I think it has to come from there. And so, and I think it's also so difficult to really cut it these days. So even if you're talented, it's probably not even enough. So you've got to be exceedingly talented. In which case, I think if they're exceedingly talented, you might have to just rein them in a little bit. But uh, you've got to expose them, you've got to give them the opportunity, and then it's up to them to take it. Do you enjoy the fame that it's given you, tennis? Would yeah, you? don't mind at all. You like being recognised? I just, one way or the other, it doesn't really worry me. I mean, I think it's nice. I think it gives you tremendous opportunities. Yes. So it gives you more chance to take them. I think what's nice is that it brings out nice things in people. Yeah. I mean, it's it's incidental to me whether people recognise me or not. But if it gives them a kick, then I think then that's then I'm happy. They must recognise you all the time. Well, they, they do. Yeah. Very Have you ever been mistaken for anyone else? People once in a while get your name wrong. Right. Like what? The most common mistake I person I yeah. if people can't remember your name is and they try to think of it as Margaret Court strange in that. Really? Hmm. Isn't that funny? Yeah. They have something to do with your accent. Perhaps they mistake it for an Australian accent or something. So it's but it's not even when they hear me talk, so if yeah. they see me and they know that they they put things together now. I know that when I'm in London I, it's always very nice because you wander around the street and all the work and say, Oh, hello, Jenny. Or, you know, they will make a yeah. service action or something. But they're very nice. I mean, they, you're like a long lost friend to them, which is nice. And um, What about the image which you've developed over the years, whether you've meant to or not? How, how do you feel about your image and what, do you, what sort of image do you think you have? Well, I think that... Um, I think my image is, is good. And I think, I think in England it started off by the fact that I was a bit temperamental and, you know, I was a little bit too demonstrative to be really English. And once I'd won Wimbledon, everybody forgave everything. I mean, I don't think, I think I've got to the stage where nobody minds what I do. I've always been discreet and as time's gone by, I've got much easier. I mean, maybe I was difficult in the early days. I don't know. I mean, I would imagine that I was, I was much more uptight and that, and I finally learned how to relax and... What sort of a person are you, Jerry? I'm very organized and I try to do a lot of things, yeah. so therefore I don't like messing around. Right. I suppose I don't suffer fools gladly. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not going to be trodden on. Right. But um, generally speaking, I'm reasonably patient. I'm certainly patient with people yeah. that I'm trying to teach or whatever. Sure. It strikes me that the attitudes which you needed and, and obviously succeeded with your tennis, such as you know, determination and at the same time keeping cool, are ones which you've managed to apply very successfully to your life as well. Would you well, think I think, that? you know, everybody, when I went Wimbledon, everybody said, how's it going to change your life? And mm. I said, well, in actual fact, it's, everything's changed already, and that's why I was managed to win Wimbledon, because yeah. I managed to learn, you know, learn about myself, really, yeah. learn why I behaved, why I reacted in certain yeah. ways, and then I also learned to have a choice of behaviour in yeah. return. So it yeah. was the same thing of learning how to control frustration yeah. and anger, which were very much a hindrance to me. Yes, I mean, tennis sort of epitomises a game of life well, as well, I think that's it? absolutely right. I yeah. think, and this is what I think is the ongoing fascination of the game, is that it's just like a microcosm of life. Mm. And especially, you know, because you're under pressure, you have tremendous scope for expressing yourself, but things don't always go your way. 
And so you have to be very well prepared, you have to be very well rehearsed, you have to be able to cope with the, whatever comes at you and you've got to stay cool. Uh, do you have a favourite possession at all? That's your replica trophy for instance? Or yeah, I mean that's, that's super, that's, mm. that's pretty nice. Uh, actually some of the trophies that I've got are, you know, I mean they, they don't mean more to me than, but they are nice memories. How long do you think you'll go on jetting around the world? I don't know. I always think it's probably about to end. And you, you just aren't a name anymore. You'll always and be a name, isn't it? I mean, because yeah, you're but, the... I mean, you know, you get replaced by the next generation. No, but I think the British people have definitely got you close to their hearts, haven't they, really? Yeah, but I mean, heavens, what's time for It's just the way it is. I mean, yeah. I, I certainly would prefer that they were good people around and that the game was thriving here. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't like to be replaced with somebody who wasn't wasn't any good. You know, I would love this if yeah. it was a bunch of Steffi Graps. I mean, right. That would be very exciting. Yes. So, you know, I mean, it's purely that. I mean, I think that's... I, I don't have any qualms whatsoever about handing over to somebody else, but you just want to make sure that they're good enough caliber. So you still feel you have that crown, as it were? I think I'm realistic about yeah. the position I have. I mean, I yeah. think I'm realistic that... There hasn't been anybody else, and that there's still, you know, very strong memories. And in a way, tennis is, I think, if one's perfectly honest, one has to say that tennis had absolutely boomed in the mid 70s mm. to 80s, and it's it's a little bit on a plateau at the moment. But I think that there was a tremendous surgence there. Yeah. What are your personal hopes and ambitions? I am not somebody to totally try to predict how life's going to turn out because um, I just don't think that that's the way it works. I think as long as you're doing things which are, are worthwhile, I think they have a future. But I'm not one of these people who says, I have to have done this by this by this. So, you know, you just keep sort of plugging away. I'm being very, very fortunate, mm. you know, and I just hope that I can, I mean, I feel that I have a role to to give to other people and so I hope I don't abuse that. Do you think you'll always live in Britain or, or I mean you um, have a flat in New York don't yeah. you? Yeah, I definitely half live in New York and I, I can't see anything changing.